I guess I'm just not smart enough. That's eh, okay. Irony is too highbrow for me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Geek Chew, a podcast where we talk about the movies, TV, and books that we like. I'm Eamon. I'm Charlene. And our intro music is by my brother Ryan. And this week we're going to be talking about a new book from Vertigo, Imaginary Fiends by Tim Seeley, mm-hmm. and uh, art by Stephen Molar. Molar. <laughs> also, the Netflix series Dark. And we finally got to see Phantom Thread. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we didn't wait that long, but. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it was one of those movies that didn't come out uh, in wide release, I think, at first. So we had to wait a little while, but right. not through no fault of our own. We're on it. <laughs> I mean, at this point, we saw it almost two weeks ago. Has <laughs> it? No. So, last week? Yeah. We saw it last Friday. It's mm, been a week. Tuesday. So less than a week. Today's Monday. Oh. We saw it on your Friday, which is Tuesday. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, Super Bowl was last night, and there was uh, there were a lot of new um, teaser trailers. Got our first look at the Solo yes. movie, a Star Wars story. Is that how they? Yeah. Wh- who is that actor? And I was gonna IMDb it real quick, and then got distracted. But like, he looks like a young Benicio del Toro, but like not. As good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll look at it. He was in the uh, he was in the last Coen Brothers movie we saw, Hail Caesar. What did he do in that? He was the cowboy, right? The actor was he? Uh, Alden Ehrenreich. Oh, <laughs> what is that? I I just don't. I I mean, he looks different to me. Okay, well, he's the same guy. I don't know. Well, I I believe you. So anyway, it looks pretty dope. okay yeah it does it looks fun yeah maybe so he's in a an awkward position awkward difficult um han solo is not really the kind of character you probably want to take up and try to um imitate or do your own thing with but yeah uh lando looks pretty right uh, donald glover looks pretty awesome (laughs) much much to do about the um wardrobe his awesome coat and stuff dude i i did notice the wardrobe it probably yeah. stood out to me in the trailer more than yeah more than anything else yeah <laughs> it looks pretty good there was a lot of i guess worry because they replaced the directors halfway through with uh, ron howard took over and you know it comes out in may which is only like three months away and this was the first look that anybody got at it but it i don't you know whatever i'm sure it's good yeah. Good enough for us. <laughs> right, we're so discerning. We're not, we're not too hard to please, I guess, but whatever. Uh, a Quiet Place, also a trailer that we just saw, which looks pretty awesome. We it talked does. About. It looks really intense. So it kind of um, made me think of that movie, Hush. Yeah. 
that we saw just because of the the, the sound aspects of it. Um, but this looks like like another level. Yeah, just I'm I'm into it. I it doesn't give a whole lot away about like what is actually happening. Uh, or you know, right? It gives gives away. It shows the basic premise of the movie, but um, there's a yeah. lot of missing pieces that you need to see yeah, when you watch the film. Plus Emily Blunt, <laughs> right? But do we want to just get right into the the book? I think that's a good or idea. Or the books. The uh, first three issues are out. I guess it's only a six-part series, which I didn't know until I started to look into it. Yeah, oh, I wonder, just, just because clearly the story that that's playing out right now can can have like a, a finite end, right. you know, but there's definitely potential for a greater story. Yeah. So Imaginary Fiends by Tim Seeley. I guess just briefly is kind of a horror, right? Yeah. That's the way it was described in most of the reviews I, I read. And yeah, I mean, it definitely has that those elements to it for sure. I mean, it's definitely got some like creepy monster things going on that I think it would qualify as being like in the horror genre. I feel yeah. like it's also a detective story, obviously. So it's like about this girl who has an imaginary friend, but in like this world or our world where imaginary friends are actual. um, Interdimensional mental parasites. Yes. (laughs) And they, depending on how powerful are, they can like be sort of corporeal, right? Yeah. They feed off of And manifest and well fear and and other things depending but like the brain energy of certain kids basically yeah kids who are i don't know if there's another word for it kids that are damaged yeah that are (laughs) prone to have imaginary friends yeah right yeah but yeah so there's this girl she has one of these IMPs. Uh, do you read it as imps in the thing? Because I just, I like IMP better. I like IMP too. <laughs> we'll go with that. Uh, but she has one named Polly Peach Pit who, you know, when she when they were younger, influenced her to try to kill her, her best friend. friend. Um, so she's... She's been know, institutionalized right. for all this time. And then the FBI agent comes and he needs her help because he lost his other IMP agent and whatever that's the gist of it they go off to try to solve these crimes this specifically this one crime right a lot of the reviews that i read for for this book a lot of them had issues with the pace of of the first book at, at least i don't think i read anything any reviews of the second or third issue but they just had complaints about a lot of exposition and you know, which you kind of expect i guess with the first issue yeah. And I didn't I didn't see a, lo- a whole lot of like really positive reviews for it, I guess. A lot of things kind of comparing it to stranger things in a weird way and I mean not, a, not in a weird way, but you know, it, just because something has kids in it and it's set in the past doesn't <laughs> doesn't mean that <laughs> nobody can do that anymore because there was one popular TV show, right? But That's interesting cuz I I actually really enjoyed it and I really enjoyed the the first issue. I mean, I, I, I guess I can agree with some of the 
overexposition in the in the story, especially as with the new detective partner that brings um, this girl right. into into the um, agency to to help work. Like I don't know, I felt like the background stuff was well done with like flashbacks and just kind of immersing you in this world, and even the the exposition that is there. It didn't seem like a a flat, unclever way of right. of giving you this information. Yeah, what did you think about the art? I like it. Yeah, that was one of the things that most people seem to like about it. It's not really like my favorite style. Style, I guess, uh, but it definitely has some uh, intense moments. You know, mostly brought on by the way that the artist draws like the monsters are pretty creative and and yeah. um like you said scary but a lot of just kind of disturbing imagery throughout the book but i mean obviously that's it's a vertigo book like that's kind of what you you can expect and, some and of those the, things and, yeah. the, and for this particular author who you know wrote one of those series that you had been following from when we first started reading comics revival that I also really enjoyed, but I, I didn't make it all the way to the end of that one. But we both kind of fell off from reading yeah. that one and just kind of lost. I'd like to, I'd like to keep going with it. I just didn't, and now I'm really far behind, so I'll have to catch up in another way at some point. I mean, I think it just ended um, last year sometime. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I don't know. I, th- I thought the book was. Um, I mean, I'm I'm kind of a sucker for a detective story, just because that's a. I mean that's a good way to to get me um invested because I want to piece together clues and I yeah. want to fi- figure out how or f- see how the detectives find out the answers that they're seeking and um so I think that's probably you know yeah, part of the I, draw for me to want to keep going with it uh but I do think that this imaginary world of characters is is an interesting world you know yeah yeah i like the i like detective stuff too but um i'm very not great at figuring this stuff out as it goes along uh, department h the um matt kent book that we're also reading is mm-hmm. on issue i think 22 and i'm still like i i don't know you know because <laughs> it's only going to be 24 issues is coming to a close right i'm interested to see what I've missed, I guess, in those uh, 22 issues that I've read. But and, I mean, do you have anything else that you want to say about this? Not really. No, I we're halfway through. I think that the story will work well as, as a miniseries where as if it was an ongoing, I don't know if I would really be interested in, in going mm-hmm. much further with it. But moving on to uh, the TV show that we watch, we actually burned through all 10 episodes of yeah, Dark. pretty quickly for us. Pretty, that's, I was really impressed, which I guess speaks to how good the, the TV show is. It's Dark on Netflix is a German show. Right. Which I had seen kind of bubbling up in, in different places, like kept coming up, whether it was just seeing it on Netflix or seeing it mentioned on Twitter or in an article somewhere. But I hadn't couldn't really decide whether to throw it on or not until the guys on the watch um, started talking about it and how 
awesome they thought it was and so we put it on and um, it is awesome definitely definitely go with the subtitles and not the dubbed version yeah if you're gonna watch it i mean it's definitely dark and gritty but there's also just a different feel to that dark grittiness i guess maybe just it's interesting how similar but different like a, a tv show made in germany is to right. to stuff that we watch like I mean, same thing with british shows and the way yeah. that they're put together and filmed and acted you know? yeah so it's basically this little town winden in germany that has these families that have been settled there for a while they're all kind of intertwined they all know each other uh and it's right next to this there's a nuclear power plant there and it starts off well, no, I guess it starts off in 2019, so just a little bit in the future, basically mm-hmm. the present. And I think it's probably three or four episodes in before you really get an idea of what's happening and that there's actually time travel and... Yeah, there's like three layers of of like this time sandwich for this town. Yeah. Um, and that's really cool. And um, each sort of... Um, time stamp kind of carries over something from either the one ahead or the one before. And it's interesting because they, they sort of mirror each other or, or like you see that whole pattern of history repeating itself like thematically, like through the whole show. And, you know, sometimes it's very subtle and other times it's pretty in your face. Like, you know, there's a disappearance and right. You know, there's a big investigation and comes up that there was another de- disappearance 30, 33 years ago. And it's definitely very detail oriented. The show is and very complex. Like this was definitely very well a thought out. And plan- yeah. What I'm saying is, uh, I don't know what was more difficult, just keeping track of the story and the different timelines or just even keeping track of who is who because as they're going between these different timelines, they're, you know, same characters, but played by younger people or older people. And, um, we definitely had, we had to communicate. It was like a, it was like a sporting event (laughs) where we had to work together as a team to, uh, at least get most of what was going on. Mm -hmm. There is this, there's a, there is a voiceover that spells some of those, bigger ideas out for you as you're watching it, which like you were saying, the whole determinism, what can you or can't you change about uh, your life and your timeline, even though you might know more than you're supposed to. Right. And on top of this really intricate plot, all the great acting, you know, Mm -hmm. it's really well acted. It's also shot really beautifully. It's just really just captures your attention and just yeah. doesn't doesn't want to let let go. <laughs> I definitely was immersed in this show. It yeah. was, you know, instead of the the usual like, oh, what do you want to watch tonight? It's like we're right. turning this on, yeah. right? Um and unfortunately, we cannot watch another episode because we need to be responsible people and go to bed. So we have to save this for tomorrow, but like still that anticipation to get back and like be able to keep going with the story. Um, is because the world that's created visually is just as good 
you know, is just as beautiful as the story that it's telling. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to even talk about it because there's so many layers. We haven't even basically hit on most of the major plot points of these kids have been disappearing. How do they do the time travel? I mean, they kind of are feeding you these clues piecemeal so you can. Mm-hmm. Now, I thought because we worked together. Oh, I think we uh, did we a had, pretty good we job. Pretty, we did a pretty good job of not only understanding what was happening, but even, you know, a little conjecture here and there that turned out to maybe be correct. I mean, they definitely set it up for a second season, mm-hmm. which was surprising. I didn't think that that was. Um, well, I guess European television shows don't don't do that very frequently, right? Like there are certain shows that are like just ongoing series and things like that. Yeah, but we, it's kind of the exception and not the rule. Like right. Broadchurch and well, even I guess Broadchurch and is, ended up. You know, it's it's not the way TV is normally done. I guess, but yeah. Uh, Netflix would, I think, probably be... Mm-hmm. You, you know, know Broadchurch continued their seasons. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But it wasn't supposed to originally, I guess. They decided to keep going based no. on de- demand? It, yeah, I guess. Must be. And I, this this really did, I think, gain a lot of steam towards the end of the year. I mean, it came out towards the end of the year. But it was one of those kind of Netflix phenomenon that yeah, kind of spread word of mouth and more people started watching it and then it started showing up on critics top lists for 2017 TV and stuff like that which not unwarranted yeah it was, it's it, it's really it was a great thing, best thing we've watched all year well, I mean, I, I mean I it's only a month <laughs> into the year ah <laughs> still Phantom Thread was pretty good I meant on television. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. I was I was attempting to be funny in that stupid way where I was being like ironic. I guess I'm just not smart enough. Eh, that's okay. Irony is too highbrow for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Phantom Thread. Yes. I can't understand like I, I don't know how how to talk about how I, why I like this movie. Yeah, it's definitely so. And we can talk about some of the criticisms that I've heard. I I was curious uh, your opinion on the opposite view of, you know, I I listened to, did you listen to the pop culture happy hour podcast where they talked about it? I didn't, Um, but I did. You did tell me about Linda Holmes tweet about how it was like the most beautiful story about two people. She couldn't care that she doesn't that are like, she doesn't care about at all. Yeah, it was like that, and which oh, I can great, see. Another, I can see another that. movie about a a genius man who is difficult, but everybody needs to prop him up so he can get his stuff done. Oh gosh, um, I wish you hadn't told me that, <laughs> because that is really a valid criticism. Yeah, but I, but I guess it's I don't know. I guess it just depends on how you watch the movie because that's not what you got the first time you watched it. Right. No, because that's, that's there for sure. But I've been trained to see things through this other lens just because of, you know, representation leading up to. So it's not something that I always think about unless it's like a a blatant violation or whatever, you know, So it is, it's a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, which 
I think this is kind of like a running theme through those movies though, you know, because is it autobiographical? I don't, I don't think it's autobiographical. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean like the idea of this. Right. Difficult genius. Yeah. I think that that idea kind of runs through his, his movies. Like there's a lot of stuff, a lot of his movies that I want to see, like there will be blood. Mm -hmm, Me Uh, too. It kind of goes back to our watching a bigger variety of movies and like more artsy movies, which kind of sometimes will backfire because we watched a ghost story the other night, which um, was yeah. very difficult. It was a difficult watch. <laughs> we don't really need to get all into no. it, but yeah, for this movie. So it's Danny day Lewis in uh, what is apparently going to be his last movie. Really? Uh, who is this dressmaker Reynolds Woodcock in 1950s England, mm-hmm. London. I guess Basically, it's him. There's three main characters. Leslie Manville is his sister, um, his old so-and-so. What's her actual name? <laughs> uh, Cyril. Cyril. And then the um, waitress slash model slash muse that he right. um, finds, uh, Vicky Creeps. She plays Alma. Right. And And so that's the basic setup of the movie, and it kind of goes forward from there, the relationship these two build, uh, plus his sister is there as kind of the pillar who runs his whole business, basically does everything so that he can be the creative genius. But as, as the movie goes on and this relationship gets deeper and more profoundly strange, I really enjoyed everything about the movie, like from, uh, and it's a, it's another, it's a quiet movie. Mm-hmm. And the score, I did notice it like while we were watching the movie, especially in the beginning. It's mm-hmm. almost, I don't know, it's very intense and almost oppressive, like yeah, uh, uh, louder than it seems like it should be, but intentional, I'm sure. And it really drives the intensity of, of an otherwise quiet movie. I found it interesting that the music was composed by this Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead. He used a 60 piece orchestra and I guess he's done some other Paul Thomas Anderson movies, but, but you listened to, uh, the, the watch podcast where they talked about this, right. And the different themes. I think in the, on the watch, they talked a lot about, um, the scenes with like the food and dialogue and, um, just this relationship, this sort of, controlling push and pull i think was one yeah, of the things domination and, yeah, and submission there's definitely a lot of elements to that i just thought it was like a really interesting study in like weird people yeah i somehow had a particular plot point spoiled for me leading up to the movie like i knew a certain thing was coming i don't know how you get phantom thread spoiled but apparently it's <laughs> yeah I, I, get, I can't possible. figure out what you're yeah we'll have to discuss later but. yeah but even though i i knew a, a certain thing was going to happen just the way that it played out there was so much tension and then really it, it dove into how how weird the psychological makeup of these people right is. it's I, I think not only is it like about the relationship and the push and pull there's a lot you know, speaking to like mental illness. Yeah. And a big part of the movie, maybe I just don't understand, not maybe, I'm sure I just don't understand psychology uh, all that 
all that well and what certain things mean, but they had this whole um, thing running through the movie with Woodcock's mother and what his mother meant to him. And her, her ghost even appears at one point and right when he's really ill. Yeah. Yeah. And I just like, what does that say about him psychologically? And, and why do they put that in there as far as the rest of the movies concerned and his other relationships? It's definitely worth people making the effort to go see it, I think. Yeah. I mean, I really liked it. I'd, I'd like to see it again. Yeah. I definitely want to watch those other movies. I don't know that I have really have anything else, though. No, probably not. I I mean, I guess we hit on the, on the criticism a little bit, the toxic mas- masculinity stuff. and. Um, yeah. I, for me to continue enjoying this movie, we can't really get into that because <laughs> I definitely see it, and it just put like a bitter aftertaste you know just because but well but, uh, he does be, meet his match uh well not only that <laughs> i mean it, they do say write what you know paul thomas anderson probably just understands this kind of character yeah um and you know if this is kind of the running thread in his films he wants to explore that dynamic more and so I I can see that, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, so we won't uh, dwell on that too much because I would like to enjoy this movie again. Uh, that'll probably wrap it up for us unless you had anything else. I don't think so. Well, it was fun. It was smart. We liked it. <laughs>